You're listening to the Wally Local History Podcast, researched, written, and narrated by Jean Lord. This episode is kindly sponsored by the Wally Local History Group. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please click to follow to ensure that you're notified of each new episode. The Birth of Wally Village Hall and Austin's Antiques Collection. I can give no better tribute to Mr. and Mrs. Austin and their lifelong interest and business in the world of antiques than to read an account written by their friend and contemporary, Mr. T. Wanacott, who on the death of Mrs. Austin dealt with the sale of the collection at Sotheby's. Such was the extent of this collection. It took three days. 15th, 16th, 17th of May, 1996, all day. The list included European and Oriental ceramics, Oriental works of art, furniture, silver, jewellery, portrait miniatures, pictures, clocks, watches, bronzes, and other works of art. 1,294 pieces in all. A Daily Mail newspaper, April 1996, reads, The One Million Secret of a Quiet Couple's Old Curiosity Shop. I will now read exactly as Mr. Wanacott wrote. Sotheby's sale of effects of the late Edna Austin provides a rare insight into the world of the provincial antique dealer in the period regarded by many as a golden era. Born in 1914, Edna Ainsworth, later Austin, lived her entire life in Lancashire, one of three children who had been orphaned at a tender age and brought up by maiden aunts in a strict chapel household in Oswaldtwistle. From her early years, her love of the Ribble Valley, and in particular Wally Abbey, showed itself in long walks over the nab from Oswald Twistle to the Abbey. By her early twenties, she was working at the county offices in Preston and later joined Bloxham's Garages in New Hall Lane, Preston, where she was employed as a secretary. The story starts, however, in Orpington, Kent, where Frederick Austin had qualified as an architect and where his younger son, Alan, was born in 1909. By 1917, he had moved his family, two sons and five daughters, to Lancashire and had settled at Lower Bank Road in the Fulwood suburb of Preston. It was around this time that Frederick joined Loxon's Garages, architecture being an insufficiently reliable source of income to provide for such a large family, and soon rose to the position of company secretary, remaining in the employment with the firm until his retirement in 1959. Frederick Austin was always extremely interested in antiques, and that, coupled with his early qualifications as an architect, led him to convert the lower ground floor of his house in Fulwood to what would become known as the garden room, in order to house his ever-growing collection. Alan was inspired by his father's love of old things, and he helped him on his buying trips. 
He had his first insight into the wonderful world of antique dealing at a tender age. Alan's early entrepreneurial skills were developed by the family's need of bicycles. He and his brother and five sisters all rode or wanted to ride bicycles, and he had many young friends who were also cyclists. Alan's excellent mechanical skills led him towards a ready-made cycle repair business for friends, later buying broken bicycles to repair and sell on. Following in his father's footsteps, he too joined Loxon's garages, where he was able to make good use of his engineering skills, and it was there that he met Edna Margaret Ainsworth. They were married in May 1944 at Chapel Street, Preston. They soon bought a property in Preston New Row, Blackburn, and the plan that Edna hatched regarding their commercial future began to take effect. The Austins pursued their respective careers and lived on one salary. The second salary was used to buy antiques, and all their spare time and holidays was spent travelling throughout the Northwest, the West Country, the Cotswolds, and the Lake District, acquiring desirable items. Occasionally, a piece would be sold on, but only if the profit was sufficient to fund acquisitions. This activity, which proved very successful, led them to take the plunge, and in May 1950, to purchase number 45 King Street in Worley, the destination of many childhood walks made from Oswald Twistle by Edna. In those days, Worley was a delightful small town straddling the main road from Preston to Clitheroe, and apart from its attractive location, it had one major advantage this being that the only antique shop in the village was owned and run by Marion Hebden, a widow who was keen to retire. It would appear that not only did the Austins buy the property from her in May 1950, but they also took over the antique business lock, stock and barrel. Alan and Edna Austin were on track for what proved to be a very successful life together as antique dealers. Shortly afterwards, in July 1952, Alan Austin bought freehold land and buildings at the back of Queen Street, which was used for warehousing and storage. It was at about this time that the Austins' different specialities began to show themselves. Edna had a definite knack of spotting quality as is evident by the large ceramic and objects section of this sale. She was a firm believer in touch and the intuitive general feel of the thing, coupled with an excellent eye and inquiring mind, all which are essential for any good dealer. The success of the business led them to a substantial expansion in 1956 when they bought the large four-storey premises 33 33A King Street, Worley, where Alan pursued his interest in retailing furniture and clocks, while Edna remained at number 45 King Street. 
which she used essentially for selling ceramics and smalls. Her incredible success at this side of the business led them to buy the adjoining shop in 1963. As further extensions to the ceramic and small selling area. Throughout their life together in Worley, the Austins continued to live above 45 King Street. This domestic arrangement, which comprised a back staircase and a living room with other bedrooms on further floors above the shop, proved most convenient as far as the business was concerned with many foreign dealers able to get attention from the proprietors at all times of day and, in many cases, night, when they were passing through on buying expeditions. The Austins were, of course, only too willing to oblige, and Alan Austin's perennial worry, that of security, was lessened by the fact that they lived on, in and around their stock in trade. They did, however, intend to move and bought the White House at 82 King Street, Worley, in 1969. This lovely Georgian townhouse, 500 yards from the shop, was extensively refurbished, but the actual move from the flat above the Abbey Antique Shop never took place. The White House was fully furnished, including bedding and kitchen equipment, and constant hot water and central heating were on tap. But yet it remained unoccupied, waiting for the Austins to move across. They used to go there regularly for meals at weekends, but Alan's worries that it was too far from the shop prevailed, and it was sold in September 1988. The real testament, however, to the Austins' joint skills is the quality and breadth of objects amassed by them over 50 years of business life. They were passionate about good things, and whilst the business thrived, they determined to keep for themselves and enjoy the rarer and more interesting pieces, which, apart from a few items retained by the family members, are included in this series of sales. I first met Alan and Edna Austin in 1979 when they came to Sotheby's inquiring about the value of a bronze figure. Having conducted our negotiations, they extended an invitation for me to call at the Abbey Antique Shop for tea one afternoon, which I was only too happy to accept. From that moment we formed a regular acquaintance which took me back to Worley practically every year to discuss the sale of one piece or another. There was always some fresh piece of stock to look at or to ponder over. Alan was small in stature, yet spry, despite not enjoying the most robust health. He had been diagnosed as having a leaking valve in his heart and given six months to live yet he survived a further 30 years, dying in harness carrying a cardboard box from one shop to the other in Worley at the age of 80. The fact that he remained so active was a credit to his wife Edna, who catered for his every whim 
and scolded him to take more care. She kept a superb table, and as her kitchen was at the back of the antique shop, the multiple interruptions serving customers, answering inquiries and the like must have been a trial, although she never allowed this to show. Following Alan's death, she more or less retired, though she never felt able to bring herself to close the shop completely. With operations reduced and other premises disposed of, she continued to live above the shop. Her charitable instincts were evident by her generous gift to Wally of the land and buildings at the back of Queen Street, which had been used for the warehouse. These were given by Edna Austin to the community to be used as a village hall. And, as a result, the Wally Village Hall Community Association was formed. The trustees complied with the requirements of that gift, and in October 1995, a few weeks before her death, this splendid community building was opened. Despite having visited the Austins many times over the years, it came as a considerable surprise to me to discover the true extent of their collections. I had never progressed further than the first-floor sitting room, and it was with some alarm but great excitement that I entered the spare bedrooms on the floors above to find them crammed with boxes and objects garnered by the Austins over their half-century together. I know they will be delighted if these pieces continue to provide great pleasure and interest to the next generation of collectors and dealers. T. Wanacott, Fellow of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Unquote. I cannot find anything else in the newspapers except a quote from Mr. Wanacott which said they expected the sale to make £500,000, but it made more than double that amount. Even local papers don't seem to carry it. I can understand Mr Austin's worry about security. If that hoard had been common knowledge, who knows what would have happened. I have done as thorough a search as I am able, and it seems they died as they had lived. Quietly, with no fuss, no long obituaries, no big statements about their passing. The beneficiaries must have had a nice surprise. That marvellous story by T. Wanacott is not the end of the village hall story. Their website carries the following account. In 1990, Mrs. Austin, a local businesswoman, approached Councillor Eric Ronan to freely offer a building to the village to be used as a village hall. A reformed committee accepted this generous offer and engaged a local architect to submit plans to the local authority. Under the chairmanship of Mr. E. Ronan, the committee raised £40,000 and obtained £120,000 in grants from various sources. The work was carried out in two stages, and the hall was opened on the 25th of October, 1995. Sadly, Mrs. Austin died before completion, but a plaque in her memory is in the entrance hall.
unquote. And so it continues. The village hall has now become the community hub. Every conceivable group activity, event, meetings, organizations, sales, drama, and more can be found through the week and weekends. So successful have they become that as a registered charity themselves, they can now help financially other groups and schools, which they do on a regular basis. As a lover of antiques myself, I wish I had met Mr. and Mrs. Austin. The photos of them are lovely, especially one of Mrs. Austin as a young woman at her desk. If I get these podcasts into print, I will add them. Many thanks to the people mentioned in the quotes, and especially to Mrs. June Weaver, who had the forethought to obtain a copy of Sotheby's brochure, an items list. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to know more, please go to Worley Local History, the Facebook group, and ask to join. And if you're in Worley or visiting Worley, please go to Worley Old Grammar School where we have a heritage room. In there, you'll find lots of photos and information about Worley Local History. See you next time.